I don't know if you notice this. I feel like after I'm like, you can't see me. I'm like grabbing my boobs and like <laughs> lifting them up because I don't have a bra on. I feel like after cam, like I've, I've never had small boobs, but like, I felt like they like were in the right place. Kind of, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the right place. Even, even after I had cam, I feel like my nipples didn't like droop down you know yeah. like they yeah. were like facing forward yeah but now it's just down <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so ash was telling me the other day because we always make jokes like i had like i mean victoria's secret size which i'm pretty sure they just like you know they exaggerate their sizing to make people feel bigger but i wore like a d like in high school like i had like decent sized boobs right wow. and then the kids totally demolished them like my pec muscles are bigger than my boobs at this point <laughs> so like I have zero boobs we're always joking about that like how kids you know destroy you but he said that who knows where he got this information he was like yeah some people or some women actually feel like they're the same size or bigger after kids I'm like who are these people? Like, who, no, who are these people so. that get to like keep their boobs after kids? Um, because it's not me, absolutely not me. It's so sad. No, I feel I know. like I'm in seventh grade. <laughs> no boobs. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm super lopsided now, and I think it will simmer out in another year when I'm done breastfeeding, probably, but like. It would be, I don't, I will never get implants. I feel like I've seen too many people who've been like messed up by implants, but yeah. I would consider like some sort of like lifting action. <laughs> Please lift. Well, luckily, you know, know plastic surgeon <laughs> can do that for you in your family. Yeah, for sure. My goodness. Yeah, um, it's so not fair to lose boobs after having kids. But then what's the alternative to like, keep the blue the boobs but they're deflated and like saggy like i don't know what's worse yeah i mean i think that's where i'm headed is i'm headed to <laughs> deflated balloon town oh my um, gosh. like it would be nice yeah for those nipples to like you know they're not the face they don't be perky <laughs> i'm fine with that i know i'm like over 30 now but like i just don't want them like at my belly button <laughs> I could just see Bobby's face during this conversation. <laughs> like the eye roll or like this. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my gosh. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. I think we should play Never Have I Ever, PT style or personal public floor journey style, because okay. it might lead us to some interesting places. Okay. I'll start, which isn't like 
Okay. I'll start. This is, I'm starting with this one because it's not super pelvic floor related, but never have I ever treated vertigo on a person that was actually like symptomatic until this week, until this week. And it was like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. I never did. I think I would have to use those notes from like 10 years ago. That's awesome. But my, so my first patient, my first PRI patient, like when I started at St. Hills, what, how many years ago now? Six plus 2014 was someone who was the referral was for vertigo. Oh, geez. And I was like, uh Oh, I'm just learning PRI. Like, I, <laughs> um, and so I remember I like talked to Jen and I was like, so I, I mean, like I know these techniques, like I could try the, um, you know, Epley's maneuver and, you know, all that to try to get these like crystals realigned in their ear, in her ear. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, try that. But also do practice your ribcage manual on this person. And I was like, okay. So I like tried the things, like tried the techniques where you fling them back real fast or whatever. Yeah. All pike sticks. And I feel like, he didn't get like some, like he didn't get the like beating eye. Like he didn't have like those classic nystagmus symptoms. And so then I was like, well, shoot, maybe it's not like classical vertigo. Cause yeah. he wasn't like nauseous when I did it, whatever. So I, I swear to you, we did a left AIC technique. Like I pressed down on his sternum, his right neck was like super tight mm-hmm. and he felt his symptoms. Interesting. But- and then we did some more and we like freed up his, that right side of his neck and his vertigo went away. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, so was it, was it spinning or was it dizziness? I think it was dizziness, but he, but when the referral, like when the primary sent him to physical therapy, it was like, maybe they hadn't done those. Yeah. They're going to just either. They're just like, Oh, dizzy vertigo. See you later. So it wasn't true. It wasn't true vertigo, I guess. Oh my gosh. This was like true, like gonna throw up. Like we had the trash can there. Thank God it was a friend. So like, I was like, listen, I literally haven't thought about vertigo in 10 years. <laughs> like, it's been a long ass time. Uh, bear with me. So I'm like fumbling through these tests, right? And trying to figure out like, is it canalothiasis or cupulothiasis or anterior posterior canal, like whatever. And like having to repeat the test because I, I was like, I felt like a student. Um, but we did get it. Like we, we got it, it yes. without puking. Thank God. But her nystagmus was like hard beating, and like she was like out of control, spinning. And I was just like, I'm really sorry that we have, that we're like doing all these tests. You know what? I feel like in. Was she like relatively newly postpartum or? She had just gotten in a car accident within the last uh, month. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that'll I do it. But it. I do feel like sometimes weird stuff like that happens, crops up in pregnancy and postpartum mm-hmm. just because there's so many hormonal changes and postural changes. And that, like, so even as a pelvic floor PT, you need to be, you need ready. to be, yeah, <laughs> ready for like, anything. Prepared <laughs> for anything to walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yours? Never have you ever what? I don't know. I think it would be a good one. Never never have I ever had a patient 
like poop on you? Oh, that's good. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> I haven't okay. either. We should be like taking shots of coffee right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I think sometimes that's a fear of patients, particularly if they're having bowel issues or if um, we need to assess, like if it's beneficial to assess them rectally, is that they're nervous that they're going to poop. Mm-hmm. And even if you did, we wouldn't say anything. It's kind of yeah. like when you're in labor, like even if you did poop, we're not going to like make a big deal about it. Right. But it's, it's unlikely. So. Yeah, that would be, I mean, as a, as a person being treated, I would probably be mortified, but so I get it. But yeah, pelvic PTs, there's not a lot that faces us. <laughs> yeah, patients on their period, I'm like that doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Particularly, um, I find it's helpful if that person's like more symptomatic during their period too. Right. Then you can kind of, right? so we can be like, okay, well, what's actually happening in this pelvic floor? Never have I ever taught someone belly breathing. Nope. So I, uh, I belly breathing. Yes. Everything has a time and a place for sure. Um, but if I want them to, for whatever reason, relax their stomach, which barely ever, I want that to happen. Um, I want their chest moving too. So like, if you belly breathe and all that's moving is your belly, but your rib cage isn't moving, that diaphragm is not going through its full range of motion. So the belly and the chest should actually expand more or less together and mm-hmm. compress or descend more or less together to get mm-hmm. that full diaphragm excursion, rib mobility, 360 degree breath pattern. So belly breathing, like the term belly breathing just like irritates me because it's like, no, it's not just the belly. You have to move the rib cage too. Right. Um, I, I know. It's, that's like, there's some unlearning that needs to happen there of like. Yeah. And I think it stems, it probably stems from yoga and meditation and like those really old, old practices of like learning to relax. And I'm not saying belly breathing doesn't relax you. It yeah. very may well, but you can get so much more out of it. It's not going to change you. I think right. that's the, you yeah. have to like, you know, see the bigger picture to get more, more out of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. What's your next awesome. one? Uh, we know the answer to that one. <laughs> uh, I was going to say like, never have I ever used a pelvic wand on myself or but you have though we have yeah n- yeah no no we both have i was just going to talk about how like yeah we use implement these tools ourselves um i have not used it oh you know what directly. never have i ever never have i ever gone into like a sex shop and bought something seriously and i think no. so i'm i met with a sex therapist last week and we're gonna like collaborate on something and she was like telling me all the cool little sex shops in Minneapolis. And I was like, oh. there's a really uh, sex world. You need to go there. I think so it's she, called sex world. She recommended one called smitten kitten. I haven't heard of that one. And it looks, I follow them on Instagram now. It looks really cute, but um, <laughs> a cute sex shop. <laughs> well, she said that like all the people that work there are like sex. They're not sex therapists, but they're sex educators. 
So it's not like raunchy, like no, it's like technical stuff. and like yeah, like the people that work there are like experts in whatever, and they carry like dilators and pelvic wands and good lube and all that stuff. Nice. Yeah, there. You need to look up Sex World. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, it's huge. It's like a two story old warehouse. I think it's in Minneapolis. It's in the city somewhere. Very interesting excursion. Do not recommend taking the kids there. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, never have I ever taught a Kegel in the traditional sense of just like telling someone to do it at a stoplight like a million times or um, oh. not respecting the breath pattern or the pelvic and hip position while doing it like pelvic floor movement. Right. No, I not, a, not a blanket thing. Yeah. But personally, when I was newly postpartum, I was probably doing reps, like mm-hmm. pelvic floor contraction reps. Yeah. Um, and I, sometimes I would be sitting, um, but usually I would be cued in to do that if I noticed that I was gripping my butt. Ah. So if I was like, oh, I'm gripping my butt cheeks and my asshole, I would then do like, some breathing down into that and then engaging at the front, like just cueing the front to activate. And then, so it was technically then like Kegels sitting in the car, but not, but not without respecting other stuff. Yeah. Right. I guarantee you were thinking about your pelvic position yeah, and like your breath. That's, you know, to some degree Mm -hmm. I run into this, like, feedback a lot with clients like this is a a good tip for everybody when you do a pelvic floor breath or you're trying to lengthen or inhibit your pelvic floor with an inhale which is an important skill Mm -hmm. you do not want to feel pressure or a bias of lengthening in the anterior or the front of the pelvic floor right um or you don't want to be pushing down to feel something so i I see this a lot like people don't feel it because it's so subtle it's not going to slap you in the face like a pelvic floor breath is like you really have to tune in sometimes um and so they'll kind of like push a little bit to Mm -hmm. feel something but a Mm -hmm. lot of times that goes to the front of the pelvic floor and the vaginal opening so do you notice this, if you're assessing internally and someone does that, what I feel happen is their pelvic wall kicks on. Interesting. So obturator, yeah, pelvic wall. So obturator is going to kick on when they inhale in order to try to feel that pressure come down. Okay. Yeah. So it's like they're trying to create a smaller space so that they can feel more pressure. Yeah. So they might actually be getting lengthening in levator, but they're over recruiting. And then, but it's when the pelvic wall is contracting on an inhale, it is still a desynchronous breathing pattern. That is really important that we don't have that kicking in to try to like help. One funny okay. story okay. for um, kids say the darnest things, addition, pelvic floor addition. Okay. <laughs> so Elsie last week, we were sitting out in the porch and we we're just sitting there, whatever, reading or something. And she farted and she goes, mom, whenever I'm sitting and I fart, it goes into my vagina. <laughs> and I was like, 
yeah, I guess I that's happened to me too. <laughs> like, like, and so now, like, she'll announce, like, in the car seat or whatever, she'll be, she'll be like, I farted into my vagina. <laughs> Just like, but it's not oh. vagina, it's vagina because we still haven't mastered that, that e sound. <laughs> but it is so like, gosh, they're so hilarious when they like. That's so funny. Say stuff like that, and you can't help but laugh, and then it becomes a thing, and she's saying it all the time now. But yeah. I mean, better than feeling shameful about it. So that's right. Good. I'm like, yeah, like we're you know uh, talking about anatomy, and I that's a conversation that I want to be happening in the house. So here we are. Um, quick plug for the sex positions guide. Oh, yep. The code is Bushy fifteen. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Yep. Okay. And then a quick plug for Addie's new subscription program. So Addie, for a long time, has coached um, a class called Core to Floor with Slam. Mm -hmm. And she's now taking that to the masses with uh, Core to Floor uh, weekly Zoom workouts, right? Yep. And a library. You get, like, access to a library. There's going to be over 20 in there already and then a new one each week you can join me on zoom at nine o'clock eastern time to do the workout with me or just catch it on the recording but yeah that's fun and then you also have your perineal massage thing out don't you yeah so i did just a quick little perineal massage guide you can get it as a video version with all the videos or you can just do the pdf um, that has sort of summary of how how it all works. If you do the video guide, you also get the PDF that goes with it. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of the quick and dirty on how to get in there to prepare for birth or if you're experiencing issues healing from um, a perineal tear or um, you're having trouble with inserting tampons, like all of those types of things. Um, this can be super helpful and empowering so yeah awesome i love it and then um i'll add those all to the show notes um so send me links do you have a code for the first month or is it it's automatic okay it's automatic yep and then um to birth and back also has a code for 15 percent off and that is there's two versions there's one for moms that just you know are trying to rehab postpartum and then there's a movement professional version that is accredited for um, 12 hours or 1.2 CEUs from ACE, ACSM, and there's a couple others that um, approve that too. So if you're a fitness All professional right. or whatever, lots of stuff um, out there that you can work with us on or... Yeah. Like, so for remind, so for those workouts, are those good for anyone at any point in their postpartum journey? Or would you recommend that people be at least so many weeks, you know, at least six weeks postpartum or, or is there a whole range of intensities for core to floor? Yeah. So for core to floor, I would recommend doing to birth and back first or doing PT to re- build your foundation. Um, but at six to eight weeks, I have them in levels. So okay. each video there's level one through three and it's like level one is like low impact and, you know, no resistance and stuff like that. And level three is more like getting back to 
that impact or jumping or lifting heavier or whatever. So you can kind of cherry pick what level you're at or how you're feeling that day. But yeah, I would say to be at least six to eight weeks before joining mm-hmm. that. Know your bush. Love your bush. Share the bushy love. Bye. Bye-bye. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead. 